Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. We are starting off our amazing school series with BYU Provo. And I have actually been really pumped about this for a long time. So I'm really glad we're doing this. We are here. We're doing this with people who have actually been to BYU Provo. So today we have Lindsay and Dunn, who have both graduated from BYU. Um, if you want to give a shout out and say hello. Hi. Thanks for joining us today, guys. We are super excited, obviously, to do this. This is something that Kaylee and I have talked about for a good many months, but we waited until September to start doing this series because we figured it would be a nice back to school kickoff thing where all four of us are going back to school because even though all four of us are graduates of, well, two of you are graduates of BYU, um, we're all going back to school this week and for the next few weeks to talk about LDS colleges. And so today, as we talk about BYU Provo, we're going to get into the good, the bad, the ugly, all of the like nitty gritty stuff that we feel like people don't know about that much when it comes to going to an LDS school and we think would help benefit potentially the younger generation that could be going and thinking about going to BYU in the future. Before we get started, we are thrilled to announce that we are now proud members of the Dialogue Podcast Network. This is something we never expected to happen, and it all fell into place so quickly that we practically got whiplash from it, but we are so excited. Dialogue is a collective of independent, interesting podcasts who promote thoughtful, respectful, and engaging inquiry and discussion of all aspects of the LDS tradition, thought, and arts and culture. Another podcast on the network you may like is one of our favorites, the Beyond the Block podcast, a come-follow-me podcast hosted by Brother Jones and Brother Knox, centering on the marginalized in gospel study and discussion. You can support this podcast and others in our network by subscribing at DialogueJournal.com. That's DialogueJournal.com. So why don't we dive in? Our first question for the two of you this evening is what inspired you to attend the school? What made you want to join? Was it just what everyone in your family does? Did you want to go there? Did you pray about it? What got you to BYU Provo in the first place? I heard about and applied to a program at BYU called SOAR. And this is, this is back in 2007, I think, that I applied to this program. And it was for like multicultural students coming into BYU. And it was similar to a prep summer camp going into college. So it was full of people that were brown and like the one white person was like directly from some country across the world and wasn't native, like native to the United States. And so it was just a whole big mix of people that um, got together and it was kind of similar to EFY, except that we were studying for the ACT while we were at the camp. So there was this huge focus on our different multicultural differences. And then we were studying for the ACT. And at the end of the camp, we took the ACT. So I think it was just a week, maybe two weeks, but we took the ACT and I got actually my best score during that camp. So that mixed with how much fun I had with everybody. I was like, well, if these are the people I'm going to go to BYU with, this will be so fun. And I applied to BYU, but it was the only, in Provo, it was the only college in Utah and the only 
um, LDS school that I applied to. And the rest of the schools that I applied to were on the East Coast and a couple in California, which is where I'm from. So I applied overall to 11 different schools. And if I hadn't gotten into BYU, I would have probably gone to the East Coast. But as soon as I got into BYU, I decided I wanted to go there because I had had so much fun at that camp and I didn't get as much exposure to other colleges. But surprise, I got to BYU and that group of people was maybe 1% of the whole college campus. And so while I am actually still friends with some of the people that I met at that camp, it was not a realistic version of what BYU was going to be like as far as multicultural mixes of people. And um, it did give us a good idea or it gave us kind of a, um, a stepping stone because we had friends already that we would see at BYU. And one of the girls that I met at that camp was my freshman roommate, but it wasn't indicative of what BYU was actually like. Um, (laughs) Really short version of the story is I decided to go to BYU because I started dating someone who was going to BYU. The end. Um, (laughs) But uh, I guess longer version of the story um, is... Uh, so after I came home from my mission, I knew that I wanted to go back to school. So I already had an undergraduate degree before I went on my mission. I knew I wanted to get my master's in public health. Um, and then I came back from my mission and started dating this guy who also served in my mission. We started dating long distance. Um, and I decided that you know, I wanted to give this relationship a shot. And so I was going to apply to BYU to do my master's degree. Um, And that was really the fact that I was dating this guy was the only thing that drove me to go to BYU. Because I'd always had these aspirations to go to like do my master's in Europe, go somewhere else. Um, Even before my mission, I had put in an application to a school in London and then ultimately decided I was going to go on a mission. Um, So I, yeah, I never thought I would go to BYU and I did. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, that's, that's really what got me there. I guess it's also important to note. So I'm Canadian. I'm currently in Canada right now. Um, and so like I moved myself to another country to date this guy and go to grad school. And I will say we're not together anymore. Um, but also I don't re- ultimately don't regret the decision to go to BYU Um, it actually turned out to mostly be a good decision. So, Um, okay. This is also really interesting because both of you are from Utah. Um, And to me and growing up in California as well, to me, it's like Utah, like everyone stays in Utah kind of thing. Um, And both of you decided to go out of your way, out of your state or out of your country to go to this school which is very like, fascinating. I should just like caveat. So I grew up in Southern Alberta, which is basically Utah in Canada, if I have to like describe what it is. Um, <laughs> and so when I fin- when I finished high school, there were lots of students from my high school that went to BYU. Like BYU came up to my high school and recruited um, and they come up to Southern Alberta and recruit like lots of students from Southern Alberta. So I'm also a convert to the church. And at the time, my mom was like adamant that I would not be going to BYU for my undergrad. It was kind of like over my dead body. Will you go to BYU? Um, And so at the time, I never like considered it for my undergrad and, you know, went a totally different route. But it's just funny that I still ended up back at BYU later. 
Yeah, I my parents also didn't want me to go to BYU because they quote unquote thought I could do better. And so they wanted me to go to UPenn where my dad did his MBA. So my dad did his undergrad at BYU and he was kind of unimpressed, did his MBA at UPenn. And so they just fell in love with Philadelphia and were like, you should go to a different school, which definitely influenced all the East Coast schools that I applied to. Um, didn't get into UPenn, didn't think I was going to get into UPenn. But I was also a hugely rebellious and rude teenager. And so I was like, I'm going to go to BYU and I'll just throw it in your face. And and I did. I love how you rebelled by going to BYU. Um, Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. Um, I am very sorry that it did not turn out the way that you had formerly expected, though, because it sounds like it would have been an amazing experience from using that SOAR camp opportunity that you had. So. It's okay though. Uh, my best friends that I have now are still my best friends that I made in freshman year of BYU. And so my roommate and I didn't stay friends, but everybody else, or not everybody else, but there were a few close girlfriends that I met in the dorms in my hall in the dorms at BYU that are still like, I went to go see them last weekend in North Carolina. So they're still my good friends. It's funny because I had that same experience, like not going to BYU, but I still have friends that I met in my like first year of my undergrad that I lived with in on-campus housing that we're still like super good friends with. But then also like when I say that, you know, going to BYU ended up not being so bad. My current best friend was someone who I met during my master's program. And so I like really glad I went because I never would have met this person had I, had I not gone. So it all all turned out okay. (laughs) Even though my relationship with this guy didn't work out. (laughs) I found a best friend. So it worked out. Sometimes you got to lose the guy to realize that like, you know what, the whole reason I'm here is not because I had to find you. I had to find somebody else. And you were just the way for me to get to this other person and to these other great experiences. I feel that that has been my life. And maybe you're better off without him because you got a master's and he lost you. Facts. I am definitely better off without him. There you go. (laughs) I don't know if you want to keep that in or not, but. (laughs) Well, that's good. I'm glad. All right. Awesome. Okay. So as we dive in, so what did the two of you major in and kind of what was your program like? So Lindsay, you did your master's at BYU. What was that in? Uh, So I was in the master's of public health program. Uh, it's a very small program. There were only 11 people in my year. Um, I think they usually accepted like between 10 to 15 students a year. It wasn't easy. I don't, I feel like it was just different because my, my, so my graduate degree was in public health. My undergraduate degree was in health sciences, which is basically public health. But I also took a lot of science classes as part of that degree. So like biology, chemistry, microbiology, all of those fun things. Um, and like science classes generally involve a lot of memorizing and then like regurgitating information onto tests. And so I feel like graduate school, the big difference was there were like way fewer tests. I still had a few, um, but not anywhere near as many I had as like an undergrad. And so I would say it wasn't more difficult um, for that reason. I wasn't having to memorize like names of molecules and all kinds of like crazy things, um, but had way more work. So yeah, I feel like it wasn't more difficult work necessarily, but there was just a lot more of it. The program at BYU, like it was really great. I loved my cohort. Like thankfully the 11 of us really liked each other um, for the most part. That was, it could have 
uh, potentially been not great had, you know, the 11 of us not gotten along very well. Um, so yeah, my cohort was really great. The professors were really great. Like the program was great. So like, as far as the education I got at BYU, like it was, um, really good and really on par with anything I probably would have got if I'd done, you know, a similar program here in Canada. So yeah, that was, that was my experience. Nice. Okay. I'm glad that went really well then. How about you, Jen? I majored in advertising and it took me a couple of years to figure out that that's what I wanted to do, but I was drawn to it because I wanted to have Cameron Diaz's job in the holiday where she works in advertising or I'm sorry, it, she makes movie trailers. And I was like, I want to do that because I love movie trailers so much. And um, I had to make an ad about myself to enter the program to apply. And that was super fun. It's embarrassing. It's still on YouTube. You can probably find it. But basically my program um, was pretty good. And I would say that it was well known and respected outside of BYU and has been for a while. And what I wish I had done is taken more advantage of that because I didn't. And instead I got distracted by my social life and I wasn't sure when I was going to graduate. And around the time that I had gotten halfway through the program, I decided to go work in Japan for a year. And then from there I went on a mission. And so after three years, I came back and had a semester left to bust out all my final advertising classes and tickets. They had something called the ad lab while I was there, which was basically a place where you could practice creating advertising campaigns for companies that would pay BYU to access their students. So it was a great way to build up a portfolio and I just didn't take advantage of it like I should have. So I, I did build a portfolio, but it wasn't, I wish it had been better. And I wish that I had kind of started that earlier. So I would say that it wasn't terribly difficult. I also minored in business management, which I'm really grateful I did because it gave me insight into what else I could do in the business world. So right now I'm moving into the world of HR and talent management, which if I'd gone into the business school at BYU, I would have done organizational behavior, but I'm kind of going around about way to do it. So I don't think any of those years were a waste, but I do really wish that I'd taken more advantage of that. And I don't think it would have changed my mind about choosing not to go into advertising, but I think I would have gotten better grades and done, gotten more out of my degree. But that was my own experience. BYU is a very social place. So I definitely took advantage of that and wish that I had worked harder. <laughs> I feel like something important to pull from like both of your discussions is what you went into BYU for kind of ended up being something different than what you came out of BYU with especially with Jen's comment about going in for advertising and then realizing kind of along the way and afterwards that like, this wasn't exactly what I wanted to do with my life, but figuring it out along the way is kind of important. I don't think that we highlight that enough for people that are going into college because I know with me, like I went into college thinking I was going to be a Spanish teacher and after taking my first upper division Spanish class as a freshman in college, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. And immediately switched to a theater major because that was the next thing that I could do within my wheelhouse. And I don't regret that, but like, hello, not doing anything theater related in my life now going into HR. So like things change, but I think it's important to 
emphasize that even when you think you have that plan and you know, like, oh, I'm going to go to BYU or I'm going to go to SVU or I'm going to go to a state school or any other school, I think it's important to just remember that like plans can change, things can change. Don't feel bad about your journey changing or taking a longer time than the people around you and just be proud of the fact that you're figuring out the best route for your life possible. I think that's the most important thing to recognize too. So moving on, Jen, you mentioned that BYU was a very social school and going kind of with that, how welcome did you feel on campus in general? Um, I already said like the teachers in my program are really wonderful and the other students in my program were also all really wonderful. Um, I also got really lucky with my roommates for the most part were also really great, but the, the place I actually had the hardest time and you don't have this in your question, but was in the two, I was in two different wards while I was there. I was only there for two years because it was a master's program. Um, and so I was in two different wards while I was there. And I really found that like everyone was really nice, but besides my roommates, I actually had a really hard time, like clicking with people in a way that like they would be real friends, if that makes sense. Like everyone was really nice, but I just felt like so many of the relationships I had when I was at BYU were really superficial in terms of like, you know, we'll talk on Sundays. And and I don't know if part of that was, so like when I went to BYU, I was 26, I graduated and was 28. Um, and because I didn't have a car when I was down there, I lived fairly close to campus. And so I think I was also like, I know in the, my second ward, I was one of two women in the ward that was over the age of 25. So, um, and I think I was pretty much the oldest in my first ward I was in too. So that was a, that was a challenge also. Um, and yeah, like I said, I got really lucky with my roommates. They were all younger than me, but you know, they were all like 22, 23, 24, they weren't 18. So, (laughs) so yeah. So yeah, I just, I feel like I had a lot of really like I, I do have some good friends, mostly the ones that came out of my program and my old roommates. And then like, I also knew some folks that I served with on my mission and like, we're still friends, but I would say as far as like making friends in my wards, like, you know, I did everything I could to be social, I'd put activities, but FAG, but like, I just felt like, I don't know, all the relationships were just really superficial. It's but, yeah. true. And I will tell you, <laughs> this is my experience in Provo. It's not just BYU. I have never, okay, so before I went to BYU, BYU is ranked as the driest campus in the United States, which I learned from looking at rankings as like a junior, senior in high school. It's also ranked up there with some of the most attractive people on a college campus. And I don't know if it still holds that ranking, but that was a ranking when I was in high school. And I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) It's weird because people try so hard out there to be attractive. They work out a lot. They you know, make sure they look really good on campus. I wasn't exempt from that. I also like tried to look good on campus, but it was, it was about dating and it was about finding your soulmate at BYU before you graduated, before you turned 25. And that was your social life was dating. When you're talking about people looking really good on campus, it just kind of jogged my memory. It was so weird to me because my undergrad degree was in Vancouver where like it rained all the time. Like you know, Lululemon was just getting really big. So like everybody just wore yoga pants to class and like, you know, but you were allowed to when I was at BYU. It was so weird to me going to BYU and seeing everybody like so dressed up for class, like jeans, hair done, makeup. And I'm like walking around in my sweatpants. (laughs) Like, cause I just was like, 
so used to that in my undergrad, like nobody dressed up to go to class. And so it was a little bit jarring at first to be like, oh, like people look good to just go sit in a classroom. Like it was, it was really weird to me. Or like, you know, if I knew I was going to go to the gym after class, it's like, oh, well maybe I'm just going to like wear my gym clothes, like my shorts and my t-shirt and like throw a sweater on top. And then I don't have to like change when I go to the gym after class. But like most people didn't do that. So yeah, it was just, it was just jarring to me to kind of see that. So I'm glad. Yeah. I specifically remember that the only time I wore sweats was when it was finals week. And I remember it being distinct because that was the only time I did it. But I was like, I'm not going to be uncomfortable during finals week. This is, I'm going to be in the testing center for hours. So I'm just going to wear whatever I want. And yeah, I, 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 I believe it's because of dating and the marriage rate. And um, thinking about <laughs> what people wear reminded me of the biggest scandal that I, that probably happened while I was there. Not, not the biggest, but it was certainly a big one. But going back to the original question, I think I felt welcomed by my teachers and I think I felt welcomed as a student, but I think that it depended so much on what you looked like and if you were considered dateable by other students and if you were comfortable being outgoing or not. And that I think is pretty standard for college, the dating part of it, maybe a little bit when you're first a freshman, but there's this pressure that I think we almost put on ourselves at BYU to get married before we graduate so much so that I was super proud of myself for not getting married before I graduated. And like, I just kept telling myself, I came to this school to get an education. Marriage is not my top priority. I will go out on dates if I get asked on them or if you know, a group of us is going out, but I'm not going to focus. That's not my main focus. And I think for a lot of other people, it's really hard not to get sucked into that. And it definitely alters how welcome you feel because it's decided by other people, which is really dumb. (laughs) Like you can kind of be outgoing and you can kind of have a good time there in a social life outside of that. But dating is such a part of the social, like dating was the only thing people did. Honestly, they didn't go out drinking they partied sort of, it's kind of a joke in Utah. And, you know, we would go out dancing sometimes, but none of that involved alcohol. So what did they do instead? They went on on dates and yeah, biggest pet peeve from BYU. I feel that. Overwhelming. I think that might be, so this guy that I went down there to date, we broke up between my first and second year. So like my first year there we were dating and it was like fine, but I, I, definitely felt that in my second year, like coming back to BYU, I feel like I was much more conscious of this like dating culture that I hadn't really like noticed before and also didn't really fit into very well. I can relate. Like we had very, very similar policies SVU as well in terms of like wardrobe behavior, conduct, like everything. But it's interesting because like the dating culture wasn't as extreme at SVU as it was at BYU. Like, yes, there would still be a ton of people dating frequently and trying to get married, but like, it was so easy to just avoid all of it with the exception of the date auctions every year. That was- What is that? (laughs) I'm sorry, what, Tracy? Because I may have only been at SVU for a year, but I don't remember that. Okay, maybe they got rid of it by the time you got there, but like, oh gosh. So while I was at SVU, and I know this was like a quote unquote time honored tradition at SVU, it's called the date auction. So it was a fundraiser for the lit mag on campus, which was basically like this 
literary magazine where you could submit like poems, short stories, creative writing pieces, like artwork, pretty much anything through the whole year. And the date auction would literally fund the publication of this magazine every single year. So every year, guys from campus would sign up to be auctioned off like cattle at a meat market for a room full of thirsty women. And every year there was a different theme and it was outrageous, hilarious, and literally the highlight of my year just to go and watch the insanity. That's weird. And I never attended one and I am very glad of that. I'll send you pictures sometime, Kaylee. Actually, yes, please. Um, okay, but that reminds me, as we have been talking about the the dating experience at college, um, especially especially in Utah, because I did spend more time in Southern Utah University than I did spend at Southern Virginia University. So SEU is in Cedar City, you know, South Utah and everything. And I don't know how else to put it, but they considered themselves usually like Jack Mormons as being like low-key BYU. And so like the, their main tradition was at the beginning of every year, there's a statue um, where everyone has to go touch it and kiss each other at midnight to start the whole new year, whole school year off. So they were, they tried to go a little bit further than anything that you do at a church school, but there was very much the social scene as you're always together with someone. You'd always go, you know, um, dancing on Wednesdays in the gym. You'd always go do all the, they had institute dances once or twice a month. So everyone would be there for those, whether or not you were a member. And the strange experiences that you get in college just kind of linger in the weirdest ways. Um, okay, so it seems that for the two of you, you mostly did feel pretty welcome with the students, the teachers, and the roommates. Overall, the social experiences were a highlight for your time at the university. Um, so taking a slight deviation, Let's talk about a little bit of spirituality. Do you believe that BYU helped you as a student or anyone else in particular overall just grow a little bit more spiritual than you were before? I feel like that's something that BYU has always pressed. And that's why parents tend to press their kids into going because it's going to be a good experience. They're going to be, you know, quote unquote, safe and that kind of thing. So do you feel like you got a more spiritual experience by going to BYU? I really don't know. I, I don't know. I think that as a freshman, it gave me the opportunity to not get caught up in a lot of the things that I probably would have gotten caught up in as a freshman in other colleges. I think I would have done a lot of things that I didn't. So I probably would have drank. I probably would have done, I don't know, so many other things that I didn't just because it wasn't common at BYU. And I was, I would say a pretty vulnerable vulnerable freshman in that I was excited to get out of my parents' house and I was excited to try everything that I could. And my freshman year, I think I went to bed most nights around three or four in the morning and would wake up around nine or 10 in the morning to go do whatever school I had to, but I did not go to bed early because I was having fun. There are distinct professors that I do remember from BYU who did help make things a little bit more spiritual, but I will say that starting each class with a prayer seemed pretty pointless to me. I didn't feel any different about it one way or another. Singing didn't feel, in fact, it kind of felt like a waste of time because the classes were so short. I I am making faces. Wait, so you sing in your classes? Yeah, sometimes. So in my, one of my religious classes, I think I took a DNC restoration class when I was about to graduate and we would sing every class and pray, which took a good like five to 10 minutes. 
out of a 50 minute class. And that class, we always had a million questions that we wanted our professor to answer because it was about Joseph Smith and polygamy and everything controversial about the church we talked about in that class. And we always ran out of time. And so maybe that wasn't the point of the class was to answer all our questions, but I do feel like we always wanted the class to go on longer and it kind of detracted. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe some people in the class felt like it was good to set the tone with a prayer and a song, but I was like, we have stuff to do. I don't know if any of you here have heard of him, but there was a professor named brother. um, Oh wait, no, hang on. Now I can't remember. Shoot. He was a professor who taught mission prep and it was very famous my freshman year because he got a little out there with doctrine. Like he would kind of teach things as if they were doctrine and they weren't quite, but he had what I would say are very good guesses and assumptions about things in the church that would make sense that really inspired you to want to go on a mission and to be a better member of the church and to see things bigger picture by using a lot of his personal examples from his own mission. But the way that he taught his class really helped, I think, everybody feel the spirit and feel, but that was a mission prep class. In my regular classes, I didn't feel like it made very much of a difference other than your professors understood what kind of background you were coming from. But that also meant then they would promote getting married and dating and a lot of the things that I didn't like. I mean, I liked, but I, I don't know. So going back to whether or not I felt welcomed at BYU, and I feel that similarly about this in the church now, I still feel like I have a strong testimony of the church and the gospel, but starting at BYU felt more and more that I didn't belong at BYU or belong in the church because the majority of people that I went to school with had priorities that were very different from mine. And so I felt like they were conflicting and a lot of the people, a lot of the professors would talk like they were conflicting and insinuate that if I wanted to do something besides go on a mission, why would I do that if I wasn't going to get married? Mm -hmm. I understand that. Do Okay. So I'm just curious. And if you don't want to answer it, that's really fine. But by the time you finished BYU, after you'd been through everything, had you wanted to go back to finish your school time there? Or did you just end up finishing because that's where all of your credits were? Did you feel inclined to go there for spiritual reasons at all? Or is it more of a challenge to return? No, I had every intention of going back because I never planned on not graduating. So truthfully, it had nothing to do with anything spiritual. I just what never planned on not graduating. And so when I went to Japan, I knew I had to drop out because I was going to be gone longer than two semesters, but because I was so close to graduating, when I talked to the school counselors, they said, Hey, if you drop out and reapply, you'll get back in because you're so close to graduating. So I took that risk, dropped out. And then when I decided to go on a mission while I was in Japan, I reapplied and then deferred so that I could go straight back into school when I got back. And I knew it would be like either a semester or two semesters and it ended up being one semester in an internship. That's fair. And congratulations again on getting your degree because I, yeah, I feel that college is a great opportunity and learning is a great opportunity and whether or not you do have a spiritual time at whatever school you end up with, I think it's definitely worth going through all that and getting that piece of paper to, to help you move forward. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Jen. How about you, Lindsay? Do you feel that your spirituality grew at all during your time there? Do you feel that it helped you, that it challenged you more? What was your reaction? 
Not really. <laughs> um, but like I went to BYU after I came home from a mission, like right after I came home from a mission, I guess I'd been home less than a year when I went. And so I feel like that was kind of like peak spirituality and it's kind of been on a downhill decline ever since. <laughs> um, but I guess my experience is different as a graduate student. I wasn't required to take any of the religion classes. So I feel like that is different. I did go to institute in my second year I was there I was actually called to be the um institute person I don't even remember what the calling was but institute person for my ward um so then I had to go because I had to help with like set up and take down and um all of that stuff I didn't teach but I had to be there but yeah so I would say it didn't really helped me grow spiritually but it didn't like hurt either um and like as far as my classes went um some teachers started with a prayer a lot of them didn't it was kind of like really mixed bag and then like some of the profs like there were a couple maybe that kind of like would tie things into the gospel like throughout the course um there were some that like the last lesson of the semester it was like okay now you've learned all this stuff and now we're gonna talk about in one class talking about how it relates to the gospel, but we never sang in class. <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know. It was a, it was a really like a real mixed bag, like as far as my teachers went. And honestly, like had they not done it, like it would have been fine. Like it really made no difference to me. Um, and I wasn't like talked about why I went to BYU. I wasn't going to BYU to get a spiritual experience. So um, it, it made no difference to me really either way. Um, I did think it was interesting how the people that we lived around were the people that we also went to church with, but not necessarily the people that we took classes with. So freshman year, we took a lot of the same classes. But after that, once we decided, once we decided what our majors would be, we split up a bit. And that social community part of church dispersed a bit where you had your ward and you had the people you went to class with. And because they were different I, I don't know. I feel like freshman year, we were maybe a little bit more, more involved in church activities and, and the spiritual side of things. But um, I thought of something else, which was part of the reason I don't love being in Utah and especially Provo was because it is because I become pretty self-righteous and judgmental. And I don't like it when I become that way. And so I think that if anything, my spirituality would increase if I would fight against it but it wasn't a challenge that I enjoyed. And I much more enjoyed the missionary experiences that I would have when I wasn't in Provo or Utah or at BYU, where I would talk freely about the church versus talking to people in Utah who come from a completely different perspective. So in that sense, maybe the spirituality was better. I don't know, but only if I fought against that. And generally I didn't because I was being self-righteous. When I left Utah, I think that really helped my spirituality more actually. I get that. Thank you for sharing that, Jen. Yeah. I, I feel like we, we discussed this a bit in um, early, an earlier episode, a two part where we talked about like being inside the church bubble, like the Mormon or Utah bubble and then being outside of it. And as someone who is currently feeling pretty trapped in Provo area. Um, I completely understand that perspective. Sometimes it's easier to to find the the right path for ourselves and our spirituality when we need to be on it a little bit more alone and not near the cookie cutter version of it. 
while we're on the subject of like spirituality and your own personal growth while you were at BYU or decline in the spiritual aspects while at BYU, um, let's talk about the honor code or the honor council. What is your perspective of the honor code, honor council? Like, do you feel like it helps with the BYU experience? Do you feel like it helps people improve their spirituality? Do you feel like it causes witch hunts? Like, did you have any experiences or know of anyone directly affected by an honor council hearing? Like, we want to hear all thoughts about honor code and honor council at this point. I, my perspective on the honor code is that it's dumb. <laughs> and But I think I would maybe have felt different had I gone to BYU as an 18-year-old, but I was 26 when I went to BYU. Um, and I just really felt like like I'm an adult. Like, I don't need the honor code to tell me how to live my religion. I also have a really hard time with arbitrary rules, which I really found out when I was in the MTC because there were some real dumb rules in the MTC about like, you can't carry your bag around because it's a fire hazard, but we'll let you carry eight books in your arms. And that's not a fire hazard. I don't know. There, like lots of things like that, like couldn't wear socks with lace on that, like this like weird things in the MTC that were not rules in the mission field, but were weird rules in the MTC. So I already have a hard time with like weird rules. Um, and again, I think it's because I went to the MTC, like I turned 24 when I was in the MTC. So I was already a little bit older going to mission and then I was older going to BYU. And I just felt like the honor code, like I signed it, obviously I lived it. Um, but you know, some of the things in the honor code of like, someone from of the opposite gender is not allowed to use your bathroom when they're in your home. Like the weirdest that, rule ever. So dumb. when I go visit my brother, I can't go use his bathroom. I mean, you, I can't what? cross that threshold of where, Wait, then what do you do Jen? You're supposed to go to somebody else's, uh, like, uh, like the same gender I mean, apartment or I would say, else. So I would just do it because I was yeah, like, I never followed that rule. Like, especially when I was dating my ex-boyfriend and I was at his apartment, it was like, if I had to pee, I was going to go to his used bathroom there. And his bathroom was attached to his bedroom. So I had to go through his bedroom into the bathroom, which was like an extra no-no. But, you know, I did it anyways because I'm an adult. Yeah. So was his apartment built? Because usually BYU housing is built where there's like a line between the rest of the apartment and the hallway that will go back to bedrooms and bathrooms. No. And so so they generally say like, don't cross that line. Yeah. So his apartment was kind of weird in that you walked in and the like living room and kitchen were kind of the main room when you walked in. And then there was a bedroom off of each side of that. And each of the bedrooms had an attached bathroom. So like there was a line, but like it was the line that you just can't go into either bedroom. But yeah, so like that in the honor code, you're also not supposed to be in the bedroom of someone of the opposite gender. I feel like that's, you know, a little more self-explanatory. If you can't go in their bathroom, <laughs> probably can't go in their bedroom. But again, it was like, I am an adult. Like I can be in my boyfriend's bedroom without having sex with him like I'm I can control myself um, like <laughs> you know and like I can still live the law of chastity you know like so things like that I had a hard time with also the like for men that they can't have a beard like why why and like the leggings rule though I I found like because I definitely wore leggings on campus no one ever said anything, um, but I definitely heard it was enforced more so at the testing center. If you had a beard, you couldn't take a test if you're wearing leggings. I never had that experience, but I had a roommate I was living with 
um, that went to go take one of her final exams and she had waited in line for like however long to get into the testing center and they made her go home and change before they would let her back in. They will send you home and they'll make you turn around and go change. And okay. I think professors are supposed to enforce this too in their classes, but I never heard of a professor like enforcing it in class. I think it was really just the testing center that was really like strict about it. Um, yeah, I, and thankfully, as a graduate student, I almost never had a test in a test in the testing center because I also think the testing center is stupid. Um, it's weird. I mean, it's weird for me coming from an institute, like an undergraduate institution where like they would never have something like the testing center because like people would cheat. Like it was weird to me that they assumed that nobody would cheat at the testing center um, because like people in the same class, they have like three days to write their test. So like someone that wrote the test earlier could tell someone the answers like, but you know, it was in the honor code that you weren't supposed to cheat. So like, I don't know if that worked, but it was so weird to me that you wouldn't have like a set time in place for the exam um, and that you had to go to the testing center, which is a giant room with pictures of Jesus on the wall that are staring at you while you write a test. Like it's terrible. It's a terrible what? place. <laughs> It's, it's oh a room my god it's like a gymnasium <laughs> so it's like a, it's a basically like a gymnasium there's like 500 desks in the room it has really high walls high ceiling there's only windows around the top so you can't like see outside and then there's basically like jesus art all over the testing center and i know maybe for some people that is comforting but for me it just felt like really <laughs> shaming like jesus is watching you take your test like better not cheat better not do anything wrong like Wait, wait, do they have, do they have like a glass wall where people can be like watching or do they have like the Jesus, you can like remove his eyes so people can look in through Jesus's eyes. (laughs) You're not cheating. They have (laughs) testing moderators that will walk around and watch. Okay. But they're just other students. Like it's. Yeah, they are just other students. And I'm really glad. They're paid by the testing center. Like they work at the testing center. Yeah. Kaylee, they do have razors ready. I don't know if they still do. Cause again, I graduated in 2016. So they would have really cheap razors ready. So guys that weren't shaved could go shave really quick. These students would just walk around in between the desks and tell you like, Hey, you got to put your whatever away. Like it's walk it's in the aisle. I mean, I think, you know, obviously they were checking for people who might be cheating anyway, but as a moderator, you, I feel like I would enjoy that so much to be a moderator just for the opportunity of being like, Hey, Hey, Jesus is watching. Like I would be a terror, not because I'm seriously like watching out for people cheating, but because I would just be like, Hey, 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 Jesus is watching. Okay. Get it together. And then just have someone behind the pictures, like moving the eyes. That would be great. That's what I would do. Oh, um, goodness. That's, that's um, fair. I guess, so, uh, I don't know, like, other things about the honor code. So I feel like I talked about, like, things that are, like, minor inconveniences that I think are really dumb, but not really, like, really problematic, I guess. But after I graduated from BYU, I don't know if any of you follow the Instagram account. I think it's called Honor Code Stories, where people started anonymously sharing like horrible stories that happened to them and their experiences with the Honor Code um, and how like it has really been weaponized against certain populations. Um, I'm thinking particularly victims of sexual assault and members of the LGBTQ community, Um, how like that has been (laughs) really problematic. And when I started at BYU in 2016, I think um, 
it was right after they'd had all of their issues with um, basically somebody reporting like a sexual assault to the Title IX office and then the Title IX office reporting them to the honor code because maybe they were assaulted, but they had been like drinking at the time. And so then that was like keeping people from reporting um, their assaults because they didn't want to be turned into the honor code office. And so like I, when I started at BYU, they had just kind of announced a formal like separation of the two. Um, and that, you know, if you went to Title IX to report an assault, that they wouldn't report you to the honor code office, no matter the circumstances of your assault, which is, that's good. That's a good start. Um, but obviously, like, you know, reading those stories, um, which kind of on that Instagram account, which happened after I graduated, like, they're like, some of them are rather horrific and like this really awful, like, the way the honor code has been weaponized against certain students um, and, you know, put them in a position to be excel expelled and that like anybody can report them basically for any reason. And like, I think since then, like there have, you know, thankfully that campaign, like there was a lot of pushback and there have been some changes um, to the honor code, but like it's still, you know, not a safe place for members of the LGBTQ community to like openly be in a relationship or even, you know, to date, you know, if they date or hold hands or whatever, even if they're like keeping the law of chastity, like that's still like a no-no on campus. Um, and, you know, there was all that that happened. Um, I think it was last year, like right before the pandemic where they had revised the wording to make it seem like that those types of relationships would be okay and not against the honor code. And then immediately BYU backpedaled. Um, and then I think the pandemic happened and like <laughs> kind of everything blew up. Um, there have been some positive changes in that regard since I've been at BYU, but I think there's still more that needs to be done. Honestly, I just don't think the honor code should be a thing for my superficial reasons of why I thought it was stupid. And also like for the real reasons of why it's actually harmful to students. Like, I do think, you know, I do think the school should have like a code of conduct, you know, like don't cheat, be respectful. But I, I just think the honor code goes like above and beyond that. And I just don't think it's, I don't think it's necessary. So I don't know, Jen, how you feel about it. I've just kind of ranted on there for a while, but. <laughs> well, I think you kind of said a lot of things that I already agree with that I kind of forgot I agreed with, which is that there are so many little arbitrary rules I think there's something that has bothered me a lot about church culture for a long time. And I didn't really realize what it was until lately, which was that the church doesn't treat teenagers and young adults like they take them seriously at all until they're married. It's as if yes. they're worried mm -hmm. they're going to get into trouble. They're going to break commandments. Um, I feel like they're trying to teach them how to be adults and make adult decisions, but with a lot of rules. And I understand that there are some rules that are church standards. So not drinking while you are a BYU student, I think makes sense. Um, not drinking coffee and tea, I think makes sense. I think um, the law of chastity for BYU as a student, I think that makes sense because it's part of the church standards. But the, the rules about the bathrooms in apartments and um, they would close the dorms after midnight. And I know that at BYU, Idaho, you had to call your RA to let you in after midnight if you were out past midnight and wake them up. At BYU, we had ID cards that would let us in after midnight, but 
you know, we got locked out because the honor code said you cannot be not, you can't be out after midnight, but you can't be, I think with the opposite gender after midnight. Yeah. And it was different on weeknights and like Friday and Saturday night, it was till like one 30 in the morning. And then weeknights, it was like midnight. Maybe oh, or and then we had visiting hours. Yeah. I forgot about this in the dorms where we could go to the opposite gender jo- dorms from like, I think like seven to nine on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. And that was the only time we could go into each other's dorms. And <laughs> which I think is so funny. It sounds like jail, but um, basically to your point, I think the honor code does a lot of BYU students a disservice in that because they're not taken seriously, they feel like they're not adults. And it kind of backfires a lot because you don't quite learn how to make a lot of adult decisions. But for a lot of people who live in Utah, they don't really think about it because they never leave Utah. And so they don't think, oh, well, I'm going to have to make these decisions outside of college because they never have to. They never leave the culture. Whereas everybody else who is going to go off into the world after they graduate college, it would do them good to learn how to have and keep their own personal standards that would help them as a human being. Like going to bed before midnight is a good thing in college, but you kind of have to learn how to do that yourself. And I think adults should be taken seriously. I understand freshman year maybe could have a little bit more rules. Things are crazy freshman year. But after that, if we're expecting that... BYU students starting at age 18 can get married, then they should be treated like adults. Yeah, I agree. Like, and and like I said, maybe I just think the honor code should go away. Um, But, you know, I think those things that you address can be, you you know, addressed in other ways. Like you still have to get a bishop's interview um, every year to attend BYU, right? So like, you're going to talk about then about if you're living the commandments or not. Um, at that point. And like, I think, yeah, the school can have a code of conduct. Like even in my undergrad, the school had a code of conduct that you had to agree to. I just, yeah, I don't know if the honor code is the solution. Like, I think we could come up with something better that allows us to live more like real adults, like Ben said. Well, now we have an office of belonging. So we'll see how that goes. Which I hope is good. I, yeah, I hope. Um, it's so actually one of the, so I, can I maybe talk about something? One of the questions that you said, one of, what's one of the weirdest experiences you've had um, that stands out. And this kind of relates to something I was talking about earlier a little bit. Um, but when I was at BYU, I feel like I learned more about the LGBTQ community um, and their challenges and just what it means to be um, Mormon and a member of that community at BYU than I did when I went to my like super liberal undergraduate university that had a, like a, a pride center and was like, you know, really just people were really out and supportive and like Vancouver is really liberal. And it even had like some coworkers and um, different jobs that I'd had that were members of that community. But I feel like coming to BYU um, and I remember making this comment to a friend of mine feel like I learned more about the community being at BYU, which seems like a bit of a paradox, I guess. Um, but when I put one of the projects that I did as a master's student, um, we were assigned to work with counseling and psychological services at BYU to do a needs assessment of a certain student population. And so my group was actually, we were asked to 
do a needs assessment of the LGBTQ community as far as what their mental health challenges were and then what campus can do to address some of those challenges. And so the Office of Belonging, I don't know if it really came, if it came out of the report we did, but that was something that we had recommended in this report um, that we put together for counseling and psychological services is that BYU needs a, basically a safe space for members of that community on campus. Um, and so like, I'm excited to see that that has happened and it's more all encompassing than just the LGBTQ community. Like I think it's meant to be for anyone who feels marginalized on campus. Um, and I'm hopeful that it's positive I feel like, you know, I'm sure you heard about the things that Elder Holland said this week, and that's a whole other conversation. So I'm hoping that, like, that doesn't invalidate what can hopefully be a positive thing on campus to help folks in marginalized communities feel more welcome and like campus is safe. And then I think the next step of that is to fix the honor code, get rid of the honor code. When I was leaving BYU, there was a Facebook group called, I think it was called Understanding Gay and Lesbian members of the church or something like that. And they were having meetings and they were trying to promote panels of conversation on campus. And I don't know what happened because I graduated and I couldn't. There were, there was definitely one, no, there were two, two that happened when I was at BYU because number one, I was still dating my boyfriend because he came with me. And the other one was happened after we, like as students, we did this report and it was submitted um, yeah, I think there were two panel discussions um, that happened. I think one was specifically focused on mental health and the other was just like a general Q&A. They had students that identified kind of as each letter of the mm. LGBTQ mm-hmm. acronym um, and people were just able to ask them questions about their experience. And that I thought that was really positive. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that. I. I've been wanting to like discuss more on that entire topic, um, but I know we don't really have the time. So thank you for at least bringing that up and everything. And from what I've been able to hear is that that kind of conversation has been going on for a while. And I'm really hoping that, um, like you said, is that things will continue to improve. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, Okay, so we only have a few more minutes, but... I'm really interested. Um, I know Jen meant, Jen kind of hinted, um, but I'm very curious if there was any scandal that rocked BYU while you were there. So Jen, you mentioned something you had in mind specifically. Do you mind starting this off with that? Yeah, there's a little tiny piece of it that I'm trying to figure out really quick. So let me look it up and then I will come back. I mean, I'll just say the only thing I thought of, it's not really a scandal, but I was there when BYU um, started allowing caffeinated soda on campus. They got, they finally got like Coke and Diet Coke yes. and Mountain Dew. It was partway, I think partway through my first year. And like, that was a big deal. <laughs> um, not really a scandal, but just like a thing that happened and like a thing that would like only happen at BYU. Um, I feel like that like, almost is like a scandal for BYU. Like that definitely right rocked the like, entire we're gonna campus. Sell, we're going to sell Coke out of the fountain soda machine like <laughs> oh no <laughs> and in the vending machines yeah I don't yeah I don't know exactly why that happened but yeah you could buy coke on campus and I remember that happening too and I thought it was so funny and I was like finally yeah okay so my scandalous thing that I thought was super funny I think it was around my sophomore year um this girl was if I remember correctly, she was either wearing leggings or like a a low, like a high skirt or something like that in the library. And this guy left her a note that 
essentially called her out and said, hey, can you please dress more appropriately? We're at BYU and it's very distracting. And she blasted it all over social media. And she was like, I'm going to wear whatever I want. I'm within the honor code guidelines. And it is not my responsibility how you react to it. I think I, yeah, I don't remember exact. I like, I could almost go back and look and find it because I think it got into like the BYU campus news or something like that. It was awesome. I like didn't really know how to react to what, how she responded to it because I thought it was pretty bold of her. And I think that at the time I was like, oh, she was really loud about that. But she went on to either become an accountant or a lawyer. I can't remember which one, but I was like, that's pretty cool. You know, she's, she was bold enough to call him out. So she's bold enough to, to have a pretty cool career. The underlying scandal that I think also kind of relates back to the BYU honor code and also relates back to the title nine issues is that, um, for every, for almost every single guy that I dated while I was at BYU, almost every single one of them would push the limit on kissing and anything physical that we did more than any guy that I dated who wasn't a member of the church. When I was in Japan, I went out with guys that weren't members of the church and I was very upfront with them about what my standards were and they were incredibly respectful. And then I came back to BYU and it was the same thing going back to guys that would just push the limit. And I think it's similar to when you're on a mission and you know, you and your companion both know what the rules are. You both know what the expectations are. And if you are disobedient, you're disobedient together. Or if you're obedient, you're obedient together. Like one of you calls the other one out or you just do it together. And I think that's what the issue was, was that we all knew what the standards were. And yet because of that, I think they would kind of push it. I will say more than my studies at BYU, what I regretted more What I will regret, except for the fact that I learned and I figured it out, was that I thought I was obligated to give something to these guys that asked me out. And I thought that that obligation meant that I should kiss them. I should keep going on dates with them. I should text them back. I should blah, 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 blah. Because at the time, I hadn't figured out yet how to be tactful, respectful, and kind and say, at the same time, I'm not interested. Thank you, but no thank you. The culture at BYU mixed with the culture in the church was very much, you know, give everybody a chance, trust these guys if they take you out and everything's going to be okay. And it wasn't. And I was lucky. I didn't have a situation in which I needed to go to the honor code office or report sexual assault, but there were many instances in which I could have. And I was dumb, but at the same time, you know, like I should have been able to trust these guys and I should have not had to worry about that. Not just because they went to BYU, but because they shouldn't be sexually assaulting women or taking them for granted or in any way, shape or form, obligating them to do anything. And I'm kind of on a high rant about this right now because I'm going through a very raging feminist phase personally. And also I decided it it was a good idea to watch all the Twilight movies this week and I'm watching it and I'm like, this is the most toxic (laughs) and manipulative thing. No wonder I thought that that's how I should date in in high school and college. No wonder like I had these weird expectations, but that's what a lot of members of the church at BYU also thought, especially because Twilight was written by a member of the church. So we thought it was all sanctioned Yikes. and we were like, this is how we should date. And that is how dating was at BYU. And so it's interesting to me, Lindsay, that as you say, 
around 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, all these stories were coming out about the honor code office because sexual assault was being handled in such a weird way by BYU that we were blaming women. Yeah. I mean, I also think what you're saying ties into even just the whole like modesty conversation that's being had right now about how like women are not responsible for men's thoughts. Like I feel like church culture teaches men from a young age that like they can't control themselves that, you know, they have these sexual urges and like, you know, like they can't control themselves and it's not their responsibility. And I think because we're not, we're not teaching modesty properly, we're not talking about sex in a way that's healthy. We're not encouraging like healthy sexual development. And so I feel like what you're saying, like you have these men that just like, I don't want to say that they don't think they're responsible for their actions, but they just like, I don't, think they don't know how to be responsible. They don't know, for how, to, they don't know how to treat women. They're coddled by the church to believe yeah. they don't have to be responsible. So they haven't learned how to be responsible. Yeah. And they don't know how to treat women as in a way that doesn't objectify them. Yeah. It's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> and I'm glad that these conversations are starting to be had. I would love to go to BYU right now and be really loud about a lot of these things. In fact, my brother started his freshman (laughs) year. Yeah. My brother started his freshman year there, like maybe three years ago. And I was in the dorms looking at some of the flyers they had up and they were so funny and wild to me because there was a poster for consent, like a conversation about consent and kissing. And I was like, what is this? And then they had all these fun little posters up in their hallway that said, that were like meant to spark controversial conversation where they were like, what do you feel about this rated R movie? And, you know, staying out late. And what do you feel about drinking caffeine? I think this was before they changed the caffeine. I don't remember on campus thing, but you know, like, is it okay to drink sports drinks, but not coffee and or sports drinks? What am I saying? Um, energy drinks. And I just, I thought that was so funny, but also I think they're trying to have more of those conversations that in, in the real world outside of BYU, it's not, do you feel comfortable drinking caffeinated drinks? It's, you know, how do you handle people that are drunk and drunk yeah. driving? How do you get your friends not to drive home drunk? How do you manage a corporate setting where everybody else is drinking and you're not, and your boss expects you to, you know, like it's a big reality check when you leave yeah. BYU and it's a good yeah. one, but that I don't think BYU prepares you very well for. So I do think it would be super fun to go back to BYU and be like a raging feminist and yeah, <laughs> want to talk I mean, about all the things that everybody else doesn't want to talk about. Yeah, I feel like I already had that a little bit when I was at BYU, but maybe not as much as I would have now. Though I do remember the only um, devotional that I distinctly remember being at BYU um, was. I think in my last semester in winter of 2018, they had a professor who had worked on the like title nine honor code issues around sexual assault. Um, he, he gave a whole devotional talking about um, sexual assault and why it's problematic, but why it's problematic for God also. Um, and he did bring up the idea of like consent before kissing. <laughs> and he acknowledged that he's like, I know it's weird, but we should be asking Um, But the other thing he talked about was how, like, no matter what the circumstances, like, sexual assault is always a violation of somebody else's agency, no matter what the circumstances are that may have led to that. And that's why it's, I mean, it's a problem anyways, but that's why it's such a problem to God. 
um, is that it's a violation of someone else's agency. Um, and that's why we should be taking it really seriously and not not victim blaming. And so I feel like, you know, when we think about that, I, I hope that can be our foundation for talking about relationships and like just helping these men to understand like consent and what it means to not violate somebody else's agency. Amen. Amen to all of that. I really love that tangent the two of you went on because this is so important. And I really do feel that it plays into more than just like those romantic relationships that we experience in college. It can play into our church relationships into all other sorts of relationships. So thank you so much for bringing that up. And you did also touch on the last question that we want to ask you to is about your personal experiences and how you've changed um, and how the, the how the people and the school experience really affected who you are. So since you have both graduated BYU in the last couple of years, how do you feel that you've changed in the last couple of years? Or do you feel that the school has changed itself? I mean, I feel like I already talked a little bit about how I think BYU has like started to change, but I definitely think there's still more work to do on a number of things that we have already covered. Um, As far as how I have changed, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, I feel like since my time at BYU, I feel like I've become more comfortable with kind of living in the gray area. I feel like coming off a mission, you know, you're kind of have very, I don't want to say black and white thinking, but you're really like, this is the gospel and it's right. And like, that was kind of like the feeling that I had. Um, And then I feel like, you know, when I was dating my ex-boyfriend, like he started to have some, I don't want to say like questions and doubts about the church, but he just was like more okay with like working on Sunday or, you know, would skip Sunday school or like didn't necessarily want to go to the temple those weren't the only issues in our relationship. So like, I don't want to say that as like, he's a horrible person because he works on Sunday. Like, no, but I feel like since I've graduated from BYU three years ago and I moved back to Canada, like, I feel like I have also now experienced some of those things where I'm like, you know, I need to like kind of break the Sabbath to go to the grocery store. Like, like it's okay. I don't know. Or, you know, like I'm more comfortable. I mean, we didn't really talk about this much, but just like with what Elder Holland said, like I'm more comfortable being like, yeah, I think he's general authority, but like, I don't think that that was correct for him to say that. And like, um, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm more of a critical thinker. I don't know if that's what BYU gave me. It might have because, you know, I came into BYU already um, not liking the rules, <laughs> but knowing that I was going to have to live by some of them, even though I thought they were kind of dumb. Um, and then, you know, being at BYU, and like the learning that I did, like I, I definitely got a really great public health education, but I feel like I also became much more confident in like being liberal, being a member of the church and also being okay with like loving the church and loving the gospel, but like being okay to like live in the gray area um, and not necessarily seeing everything is always so, so black and white all the time. I'm okay with that. I think that's important. Like I'm not upset and I I'm not in a place where like I'm feeling shame over it because I know that that you know there's definitely that attitude that exists of like either you're all in the church or you're not in the church and like if you're not 100% or if you want something to change then like you should just leave and it's like no I don't think that like I think God would rather me be in the church having a testimony of 80% of what the church teaches than like having that testimony and not being there right So I feel like that's how I've changed since I've left BYU. I'll go really quick, but I feel like BYU has changed and I'd be very curious to learn more about how it's changed. 
um, I just think it's super funny how people, older people will come back to campus and be like, when I was here, you had to shave to go to the testing center and there was no caffeine on campus, you know, because things like that would happen while I was there. But I have spent time with teenagers in the last couple of years. And what I've noticed is that things don't change in the sense that they they all tell me, yeah, the for strength of youth pamphlet really needs to be updated. And I'm like, we were saying that when we were teenagers and they did update it recently. <laughs> and I mean, recently is in like the last five. Anyway, more recently than it had before I was a teenager. And, you know, things like that. I think we feel similarly to BYU where I think, you know, they should update BYU stuff. But in, in some sense, it's still, I think it's still the same place that it was where I don't think a lot of the standards have changed so much as the rules. I just think, I just thought it was like, I forget that, you know, you couldn't wear leggings on campus and why, like, why can't you wear leggings on campus? I don't know if I've changed so much since then, other than what I explained before, which is I am a lot bolder now and a lot more confident in my decisions than I was. And I don't think BYU, I don't know if BYU had an effect on that. I think that what this conversation has helped me with is to understand better the good things I got out of BYU. Um, Cause I did get a good ed- education. I did ha- get a lot of very good friends and um, some I still keep in touch with. And I think that it gives me a better understanding of what a lot of people in Utah go through, um, especially if they go through BYU or any of the BYUs. It also taught me I didn't want to live in Utah. So I could have, you know, found that out earlier or later and I found it out earlier. Thank you both for answering that question and all of the questions tonight. Yes, thank like, you. It has been really nice, at least for me, to just sit back and listen to everything you all have been sharing because you brought up so many important nuggets of information about campus life, about the honor code, about the environment, everything about BYU that you don't really learn when you're going for like a campus tour or when you're applying online to go to BYU or when you're talking to like a campus counselor or something about why you should go to BYU. And so I feel like these pieces of information are so important for us to talk about even as like postgraduates years later, because these are things that I didn't know about BYU. You could see my face through the entire discussion how my job was on the floor about 90% of the time. But these conversations are so important. We need to be talking about the experiences that we have at these schools. We need to talk about the environments, the educational system, the weird arbitrary rules. We need to be bringing those conversations up and helping students today and in the future navigate those discussions they're never going to be able to learn and become fully functioning adults if they don't have these discussions. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight and for participating so fully in these discussions. Yes, this was so much fun. Thank you, Lindsay and Jen. This was yeah, amazing. No I uh, I hope we haven't turned anybody off from deciding to go to BYU. <laughs> <laughs> like Jen said, it was there was a lot of positive that came out of the experience, but also um there the BYU is, gene is strong I think a lot of people still want to go yeah there there is some room for improvement honestly if we don't turn off at least one person from any of the LDS schools that we'll be talking about <laughs> over the next few weeks we're not doing our job right <laughs> so. I mean hey there's room for growth in all of us including organizations and mm-hmm. schools that are managed by people like us and so. you can also get a quality education not at BYU so if we've turned you off 
I hope you will be educated elsewhere and love that experience. <laughs> yeah, it's not your only option. You have mm-hmm. so many options. Thank you too so much. This was so much fun. So that was our first interview discussion about going to an LDS school. And it was, I had so much fun talking with Jen and Lindsay. It was such a great time. They're so great. I mean, honestly, I didn't feel like I should, like, I didn't need to say a single word the entire time. I was like, this is so amusing and terrifying all at once. Like, they had so much to share. It was amazing. I know I've already said this in the episode, but it was really so nice to just sit back and listen and to not have to talk in this episode. <laughs> it it was so nice to be able to do a podcast episode and just we, listen and be a spectator, we like basically. To run a podcast, but we don't want to do the talking. Sometimes you just need a Clearly. break. Um, I mean, but true. it was great. I loved it. And I think that they they brought up so many key discussion pieces about things you don't think about when you're applying to an LDS school. Like it wasn't just the like the rules or like the stupid culture, but like they brought up things like what are your classes going to be like? What are the like what's the environment going to be like? Is it going to be diverse? Like how are how am I going to best utilize the educational tools that I'm being given while I'm there? And like, mm-hmm. how am I going to fit into like everything that's happening on campus? So I think that they brought up so many good pieces of information that I hope that like incoming freshmen or like potential students of BYU are considering or at least listen to before they finish that application and go because it would be so helpful. So helpful. Seriously, it's college is such an amazing and weird and odd and uncomfortable experience. And I, I love talking to them and I love getting their insights because I definitely had some of those similarities in my own experience between (laughs) hopping between a few colleges and they answered questions that I'd always just been curious about when dealing with BYU. They just looked at things in such a manner that I really appreciated. It was awesome. Just a reminder before we close that our podcast, Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward, is officially now a member of the Dialogue Podcast Network. You can subscribe to our podcast at dialoguejournal.com now, as well as other amazing and like-minded podcasts. You'll always get ad-free episodes and bonus content there as well. So check it out, dialoguejournal.com. So this is just the first part of our series it's going to be so fun we have so many fun panel discussions lined up coming up over the next two weeks honestly like i apologize ahead of time the svu episode is going to be pure chaos (laughs) it's just going to be chaos i apologize ahead of time for everyone in the audience you have been warned. Yeah, so just be ready. That's going to be the last one because, whoo, Lord. Oh, goodness. We're going to need to recover after that one. Right. Yeah, so the next one next week is going to be BYU-Idaho. So that should be interesting. And then we'll be going on to SVU. At this time, we do not have a BYU-Hawaii episode planned um, because we just haven't been able to find anyone willing to talk to us who is available to talk to us um 
if that changes, we will definitely let you know. And if you have been there or know of someone who would be willing to talk to us, let us know. Our DMs are open, guys. <laughs> Both mine, Kaylee's, and the podcast DMs are open. So please contact us if you went to BYU Hawaii and you want to spill please. some tea because we want to hear it. We want all the tea. <laughs> But yeah, thanks for listening this week, guys. <laughs> thanks, you we guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.